She's really hurting. And she hasn't been hurting for a little time. She's been hurting for a long time. Why is she hurting? Well, obviously, she has a family. Not her husband, but the other half of her family doesn't support her at all. That provokes her, makes fun of her, uh, purposefully. But the greater issue is that she can't have kids. Um, now, we, we know that to women, having children is very important. You know, we, we read in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, but women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness, and prosperity. Now, there's obviously a lot of different ways you can interpret this section of Scripture. Um, but we know that back in the garden, who was deceived first? Eve, right? There is forever that shadow hanging over women, women as a whole. They were deceived first. Yes, Adam willfully you know, disobeyed the Lord. And that, that's, that's, that's hard too, right? We're both, we're both in it together, men and women, we're all in it. But the Lord put some serious consequences upon women in childbearing and the pain that they will have to go through forever. There's some serious you know, consequences to that. And they suffer for that. But the Lord says that they will be saved through childbearing. We clearly know that you, women don't get to heaven because they give birth to children, right? That's clearly what it's not talking about. But women have this thing that men, we don't have, right? We love having children, right? It's a pure blessing and joy, right? But women find more purpose and meaning, fulfillment, right, in having a family. That's just innate in them. And there's nothing wrong if you don't. Okay? I'm not saying that. But you know that we, as men, we recognize that in our wives, in our spouses, in the, in the women in the world, that they have a desire to have a family. And she can't. She can't find that fulfillment. It, it's impossible for her. And for years, she struggled with this. She, she's having a really hard time. And I'm wondering if there are people out there like me, like you, who are also struggling and longing for fulfillment, looking for happiness, looking for contentment, looking for joy that we can't get. Maybe the Lord has placed us in a situation where it's outside of our hands. Like, is it her fault she can't have kids? No, this is, the, this is the delt that God has put before her. She has no control over the fact that she cannot have kids. It's outside of her control. And not that she did anything wrong. That's just the way that the cards were dealt for her from the Lord. Is there things in your life that are outside your control that are causing you, like her, to be in great sorrow and despair? Now, we know in this time of season, right, that children are getting excited, right? Because they know the presents are coming their way. Children always want something, right? Listen, there's not a day that goes by my daughter's like, hey, daddy, can I get this for my birthday? Hey, can I get that for Christmas? Hey, daddy, can I get this? Can I get that? Can I get this? Can I get that, right? They have all these toys and stuff that they want. Listen, adults, we're no different, right? We just want bigger toys. We want different stuff. We want more expensive stuff. Um, but not just toys and physical things. We also want satisfaction with our grades. We want satisfaction in our accomplishments at work. Uh, we want to be leaders. 
in our workplaces and the committees and in projects that we get involved with, right? We always want more. We always want change. We always want the next big thing. We're just like kids. We're actually worse. Hannah here wants change in her life. She's not happy with her life. She's not content with what she's got. She wants more. And if you're like me, I'm like her. There's always something that I want. There's always something that I'm looking for. There's always something that I think I need that will bring me happiness. Now, as Christians, that's a problem. Or we know that in the world, that should be true of the world, right? The world should be searching desperately to find something to make them happy. Desperately to find something that brings them joy. Because they can't find it in the world. Now, a Pew study, uh, I was doing some research, a Pew study found that there are about 24% of Americans, okay, now again, this is 24% of Americans claim to be evangelical Christians. Okay, not, not, not Catholic Christians, all right, but evangelical Christians. I, I know you and I probably think it's very high, right? But regardless, there's about 24% of Americans that claim that they're evangelical Christians. Do you know that 14%, only 14% of Americans say that they're actually truly happy? That they're truly content with their life? And at the surface, if we assume that that 14% is made up with Bible-believing Christians because we should be the only ones that are truly happy, what does that also mean? That one out of every two Christians are not happy with their life. One out of two Christians are not content with the life that they have. They're angry about their life, maybe. They're disappointed in their life. They're not truly satisfied with the conditions that they live in. You know, a similar study also found that here in America, Hindus have a higher rate of contentment, self-fulfillment, higher self-esteem than Christians do. That's so wrong. That's so wrong. Why is that? Why are we as, quote-unquote, Christians still unhappy with life? I mean, based on what we read in Scripture, right, if you are truly saved and born again, man, there should be a smile on your face. You might be going through a hard time. I get that. Life is hard at times. And we'll look at a little bit at the life of David. There should be no excuse for you to have joy in the Lord. Now let me ask you this question. Okay? Do you like your life? Now be honest with yourself. Do you like your life? Do you find, are you truly happy? Are you truly content? Are you joyful down inside? Are there things that you're longing for that you think will bring you happiness? I, th this is the verse that I've been, you know, struggling with for the last month or so. And it's verse 8. Alkahana, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? This, this woman is depressed to the point where she's not eating anymore. Not, she can't even take care of her physical needs. 
don't I mean more to you than ten sons? All I can hear myself and the Lord saying to me is this, Brian, don't I mean more to you than ten vacations? Don't I mean more to you, Brian, than having the body type that you desire? You look in the mirror and you're not happy with the way you look, Brian. Don't I mean more than that to you? Don't I mean more to you, Brian, than having good functioning cars? Don't I mean more to you than the newest game system, than having the job that you want? Maybe you're not happy with the job that you have. Brian, don't you know that? I, why don't I mean more to you than just that job? Why don't I mean more to you than having the house that you always wanted, your dream house, the house that will make you happy? Don't I mean more to you than that? Don't I mean more to you than your retirement savings accounts and stockpiling up for when a crisis hits or when you think the world's going to end? Don't I mean more to you than having friends? Maybe you don't have a lot of friends. Don't, don't I mean more to you than that? Don't I mean more to you than your spouses? Lord, I don't have a spouse. Lord, I'm not happy with the spouse that I have. I really don't like the spouse that I have. Lord, don't I mean more to you than that? What about your health? Maybe you're not happy with the health that you have. Maybe you are someone who is always sick. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault, necessarily. The Lord's saying to you today, don't I mean more to you than your own health? You fill in the blank. What is it that's making you not happy in this life? You know why it is? It's because God doesn't mean more to you than that stuff. You're placing that as more important than God in your own life. You're treasuring that item. You're treasuring that issue. Your health, wealth, and prosperity. Whatever it may be, that is something you're craving. And you know what? You're not going to find happiness in it. The world is doing the same thing, right? Why are we doing it? I mean, Psalm 16, verse 5. The Lord is my portion. He's a portion of my inheritance and my cup. He maintaineth my lot. We see multiple times in Scripture, we're going to look into it in a second, that even the Lamentations, verse 3, uh, chapter 3, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. You see, God should be your portion. Now, there's, again, multiple ways of looking at this portion. It could be like the, the Israelites, they had their inheritance, that God divided up the land as their portion, right? You could also think of it as, when I go sit down to eat, Hopefully I put a big portion in my plate so that when I'm done eating, I'm what? Satisfied, right? Does the Lord bring you satisfaction in your life? Are you eating enough of Him to be full? I can tell you right now, if I don't eat a big meal, like yesterday we went to Jersey Mike's and I went home from Long Island, okay? And I love Jersey Mike's. Now, again, don't, I don't want you to feel bad for me, right? But I used to love Jersey Mike's because they had the giant subs, right? And that would fill me up, and I feel, because it's like 18 inches of like, you know, southwestern steak. Oh, my goodness, right? N now that I have this stupid gluten-free issue, right, I, I, I can't eat that anymore. 
So I go there, I ask them for their biggest, they do, I'm blessed, they do sell gluten-free subs. The biggest sub they sell is six inches. I'm eating this little sub, and when I was done with it, I wanted three more. I mean, I, it was a good sub, but it didn't fill me up. Is that you with the Lord right now? Just getting a little sampling, oh man, that was good. But it doesn't fill you up enough, so you start looking elsewhere for stuff. And I started rummaging through the car. Found some chips on the floor. I, I, uh, Hershey Kisses. Oh, that's in the crack. I'm eating Hershey Kisses. I mean, whatever I can to fill me up. I should have just got more of the good sub. Is that the Lord in your life? You love him. You go to church on Sunday. You do a little reading in the Word during the week. But it's not enough to fill you up. So you continue searching for other things. And those other things are not healthy for us. Turn with me to Psalm 73. This is becoming one of my favorite sections in Scripture. Because every time I get myself in a bad place, like mentally, and I get like internally, I wouldn't say angry. Angry is a strong word. But I get like frustrated or angry at where I am in life or angry about what other people are doing in the world or angry about what they're having and what I'm not having. When I come to this section here, I get a swift kick in the backside saying, smart up, Brian. Oh, okay, thank you, Lord. I, I got it now, okay? He just turns me around. So let's read through this. This is a, surely as God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped, for I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens of common man. They are not plagued by human illnesses. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. They are care always carefree and they increase in wealth. Surely in vanity they have kept sorry, surely in vanity I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Do you hear what the writer's saying? I don't get it, Lord. I don't get it. I work really hard. I try really hard to follow you. But the life that I'm going through right now, I don't like it. I don't like the situation I'm in. I look at the world around me, and what do I see? The non-Christians out there, the Gentiles in this case, right? They're healthier than me. What? I, I, I'm your son and daughter. Why can't you fix and make me a healthy person? 
their skin, their beauty is better than mine. I, I don't get it. How come they're increasing in wealth? They're delighting themselves in whatever sin they want, and they have the houses across the world that they can fly to and stay at any time. How come they can afford all the nice stuff and I can't? <laughs> How come, Lord, they prosper in health and wealth and fulfillment of life and I am not? How come, Lord, when they're not happy with their spouse, they go get a different one? I, I, Lord, I, I'm staying with the one person you told me to stay with and I'm not happy with it. Why can't I just be like the world, Lord, and go get someone else that'll make it better for me? I, the writer said, I don't get it, Lord. I work so hard for you and to follow you, but the world got it better than me. I'm not happy. I'm not content. I should just go be like them and make myself happy. Is that you? Have you thought those thoughts? Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Until, you got to keep going, right? Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. The light bulb kicked on. This, this is where the Lord said, smart up, pay attention. Don't you get the big picture here? Until I entered the sanctuary of God, I understood their final destiny. Surely you have placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by the terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. You hear that? He's calling himself senseless and ignorant for thinking those thoughts. I was wrong, he's admitting before God. I was so wrong. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me glory what is the end result for the writer heaven what is the end result for us it's heaven guys it's heaven no matter what's going on on here heaven is our final destination that's where we're going i don't see any smiles on your faces oh it's a mess i'm sorry i, I just thought it was just you know you guys <laughs> Guys, smile. Come on, I want to see the smile. We're going to heaven. Man, that's good. You will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, earth has nothing I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but the God is my strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. God will be my fill. God will be my satisfaction. God will be my joy. He will be everything I want and need in this life. Because he's the one who's bringing me home to glory. Those who are far from you will perish. 
you destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. Where is he finding his fill? Where is he finding his satisfaction? Where is he filling up on now? Being near God. If you are struggling with the thoughts of unhappiness, despair, anxiety, discontentment, how do you fix it? You be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I love that part. I have made. There's a conscious decision here and a change in life pattern that I will purposely, intentedly put myself near God. I'm not just going to throw up a haphazard prayer and hope that everything gets changed. No. The writer here purposefully makes himself be near God, commits himself to doing it, makes a plan and puts it into action. Back to Hannah so we can finish up. Hannah's story doesn't end in grief and despair. We saw the writer in Psalm says that his, his eyes were opened, right? His eyes were opened when he entered the presence of God. He realized that God alone is his all in all, his everything, his portion. Now back to Hannah. Where do we leave her off? Verse 8, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Verse 9, once they have finished eating and drinking, in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. No razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but no voice was heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, said Hannah, replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled and have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of great anguish and grief. Can you associate with her today? Is this honestly going... I mean, a lot of you I see on Sunday mornings, you're happy, happy, joy, joys, right? But deep down inside, can you relate to her? Do you have similar thoughts as her? Maybe they're not the same cause. Maybe not the same source. But there's something in you that's causing you to be an, just an upset Christian. Eli answered her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. 
Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to the home in Ramah. And then comes forth Samuel. And that's where the story goes on, right? But I want to know is the pattern. Like the author in Psalms, what do we notice the pattern that changed Hannah's life around for good? So she had the same pattern year after year after year. This wasn't just some short phase that she was going through. This is a long-term despair, long-term distress. What finally changed it? She went in the presence of the Lord. And she released that burden to the Lord. She gave it to him. And in return, she was able to get up, take care of her physical needs, eat some food. She was no longer downcast. She was no longer depressed. And what did she do after that? The best part. She went home and had a party, right? No. She went and worshipped the Lord. That's where we need to be. Before the feet of our God, worshiping Him. He can release you of your desires for better things in life. It is a problem. It is a sin. If you're striving for betterness in your life, and you're striving, listen, it is good to plan for rainy days. It is good to build up a, a, a savings plan. It is good to, I don't want to get sick. Okay, no one does, right? It is good to want to get better. But if those things are, are making you an ineffective Christian and breaking your relationship before the Lord, you've got problems, and you've got to fix it. You've got to put together a plan and a purpose to fix it. And how do you do that again? Go into the presence of the Lord. Be near Him. Give Him those issues. Lord, I'm struggling with, I always want the next thing. My Amazon cart's always full of stuff, Lord. I, I, I need help with that. Okay? Lord, I'm always not happy with my spouse. I need help with that. Whatever it may be. Lord, I don't like my life because of my physical body, the way I look. I'm not happy with it. Go before the Lord with it. Confess it to Him. Share it with him and find your fill, find your portion, find your contentment in him. Fill up with him. And that frowny face will turn to a smiley face. And in Max's case with the angry teeth on it, the mask there, it's going to be a clown face. Okay? And then worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. And like the psalmist, you'll be so happy and full of joy in this life. And it's not because your life situation changed. It's not because he saved you and changed. I'm not saying saved you know, spiritually. But it's not like he changed your life necessarily. And that he took the things that you were wanting. He either gave them to you or took them away from you. Whatever. He didn't give you the change that you wanted in your life necessarily. He changed your perspective on life to one where you see the end result. And that's glory. And that's where we're going, folks. If you trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to glory. And that day is coming. That day is coming.
Let's give thanks. Lord our God, we give you thanks that no matter what happens in this life, for those of us who truly believe in you, who love you, are going to heaven. Ain't nothing going to change that. But Lord, we know that even as Christians, there are times, periods of our life, maybe even long periods of time, that we are just discontented with the lot that you have given us. Lord, you designed our life. You created us. You molded us. You set before us the path that we are to live. And there are times, Lord, when we don't get what we want. We don't get what we think we deserve. And we feel mistreated by you. We feel that it was unfair of you. That it wasn't right of you. And it makes us angry. And we want things of this world health, wealth, and prosperity, to make it better, to make us feel good, to make us happy and joyful deep inside. Lord, we know that those things can't make us happy. We know that the the, the world searches after those things. But Lord, we pray that we wouldn't search for those things. We pray that we would search after you and fill up to find our portion in you. For that alone is the only thing that will bring us eternal joy and content. There are so many examples in Scripture, Lord, that people have gone through rough times. We didn't even look at Job and the struggles that he went through. And in the end, Lord, he came out of probably one of the hardest scenarios that any human being has ever gone through. And he worshipped you. Lord, I pray that we could be a people like that too. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.